Thank you, Lord. Thank you, John. That was an awesome word. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hey, we're going to finish up Isaiah 61 before we go eat some chili. How about that? Anybody getting hungry yet? Don't worry. This shouldn't take more than two hours. Okay. <clears throat> I just looked at the chili cookers and said that was a joke. So, um, Isaiah 61, today is, this is going to be it. This is the last verse, and we're going to finish it. And we will continue to move on where else God leads us here in these last two months of the year uh, for 2018. But it's been an awesome time in this scripture, soaking it in, uh, going step by step or verse by verse or line by line. However, we've been doing it each time. And so it's been, I hope it's been a blessing to you. Uh, There's so much here. There's so many different topics covered. It's amazing when when you dig into the word of God, how much is really there. And so... On your own, you can stay in a chapter for a while. You know, we, we sometimes get in our, our groove of, we, well, I have to read through the Bible in a year or this or that. And I think you should do that. I think there should be times for that. But there might be a season where God says, I want you to just stay on this same place over and over and over again. And so it doesn't have to be just for a church sermon series or something you know god may say i've got my own series for you uh you know i've got ephesians 2 right now ephesians 2 is for you or whatever it may be first corinthians 12 or uh genesis 1 whatever it is can you imagine god just saying i'm gonna have you stay in genesis 1 till you get it Man, who knows? Who knows what he's doing? You know, be open to the to the Holy Spirit uh, in your time in the Word as well. Uh, it's good to have discipline and schedules, uh, and those are helpful to keep us in the Word. But there's also times where God just says, "Hey, hang around here. Uh, I want you to. I want. You, I want to show you something. I want. To, I want to do something in your life. I want to birth something in you." And so, those are the seasons that are exciting when he's when he specifically says, "Hey, how about this?" Uh, so don't don't rush out of it. Don't rush out of those times. It's like I ha- I've only read one chapter of the Bible last month. Hey, that's great. You might have read it over and over again, uh, and that might be better than reading hundreds of chapters. So that was free. Um, Isaiah 61. What I'm going to do is I want us. I'm going to read the whole chapter again. So we're going to read the whole chapter. Uh, this is. Message number six, uh, 16 plus an introduction, so 17 messages uh, that we have, we have been doing on this. So let's, if you're not there yet, get to Isaiah 61, and it says this, Holy Spirit, we invite you to open the Word. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. Hold on. Let's read it together. At least the first three verses, okay? Read the first two or three verses together. I don't know if we can do 11 together. Are we singing? Do you want to sing? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know the tune that you're going to sing, though. <laughs> okay. So if you want to sing, feel free. It's, it's a free. We're all free here, right? Freedom in Jesus, okay? So here we go. One, two, three. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, 
and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Let's just keep going. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nation and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes a sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. Nations! Yeah, that was good. She was singing up here if you didn't hear it, so. Woo, that was powerful. So the last verse there, it says... For as the soil makes a sprout come up, and as a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. I really have a, a couple of thoughts here. Number one is this. This is a picture of the kingdom of God. Right here is a picture of the kingdom of God for the soil sprouting up, and as a garden causes seed to grow. That is how the kingdom of God works, right there. And Jesus actually shows us that in a parable. If you want to flip over to Mark chapter 4, in the New Testament there, Mark chapter 4, verse 26. Jesus tells a parable. It's the parable of the growing seed. Mark chapter 4, verse 26. And it says this, he also said, Jesus is telling a bunch of parables. So we're right in the middle of just a list of parables of Jesus. And so Jesus also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest 
has come. So this is how the kingdom works. The kingdom works all by itself. The kingdom is always working. If you have the right seed, it will grow. It says it all by itself. You know, back then they didn't know much about science, so they didn't know how the seeds grow and how, you know, roots establish and photosynthesis, and that's about all I remember from science class uh, about plants. Uh, They emit carbon dioxide and all this stuff, um, or no, oxygen. Uh, (laughs) One of those two. They make you make the world a great place to live. So, but but it says, hey, this is what the kingdom is like. It's like, it's exactly what John was saying earlier. You do the natural, God does the supernatural. I love that you brought that up, John, earlier and referenced Kim Pittner with what we're doing this week on Wednesday night. It's we just have to do what we're called to do. If it just looks like pretty ordinary, then congratulations. That's all it is, is you just throw the seed out, and it says all by itself it's going to produce. You can rest, you, know, you go to bed at night, you wake up, and the kingdom of God is at work. You know, there's another parable that Jesus says that the kingdom is like this. It's like when you take yeast, and it just gets mixed in. Just a little bit of yeast is all you need to mix into a whole big lump of dough. And so... The kingdom is just like that. It just, it just works itself in. It's just like a seed in a soil. It's like yeast in the, in the dough. It just works itself in. And then what happens is, it, is it, brings, it brings life. You know, with the yeast, things begin to rise. Things begin to expand. Things begin to, to, to grow. Uh, just like the ground, the seed begins to have life. And all by itself, you know, we don't have to tell it anything. If I plant a garden, uh, I just have to have the right environment. I have to have the right seed. I have to have the right environment. And I need some water. Uh, we've had some water around here lately, huh? <laughs> Did you think we moved? I really thought we got transported. I mean, I really thought that, like, literally, God picked up Midland, Odessa, and West Texas, and, like, just put us in, like, north, the northwest of the United States for just a, a week or two, and we were like, whoa, this is what it's like to live somewhere else. Uh, he, he's brought us back to reality now, right? It's going to be about 84 today, so 84, end of October. You're like, whew, that's hot. I think it's hot. So, uh just in time for a chili, you know, you know, that way it could be really hot when we eat chili today. Uh, so, so, but it just, you know, if you have what's right for the seed to grow, the seed's going to take care of what it needs to do. Everything, everything that's needed for the, for the plant to grow is in the seed. Everything. I mean, isn't that amazing that God made it that way? That, you know, you can plant a little tiny thing like this, and it has all the information it needs. It has all the power it needs. It has all the strength it needs to turn from this into a huge tree, into a a fruit-bearing plant, into whatever it may be. It's going to grow exactly to what it's supposed to be. It's all in the seed. So if you have the right seed, then it's going to produce by itself. It's going to produce after its kind. You know, when you... When you plant pumpkins, you get pumpkins. And that's how the kingdom works. Whatever is planted comes forth. It's not like you don't get something else. You don't get thorns. You don't get thistles. You don't get weeds. Uh, Jesus told another parable about that. Says, hey, those, all those weeds, the enemy planted those. And so we're gonna, we're gonna wait until the right time and then we're gonna get everything, pull everything in and we're gonna take the righteous and the unrighteous and separate them. But the point is, is this, that the kingdom works like Isaiah 61 verse 11. It just sprouts up. 
It's at work. It's going. It's, it's, it's all the time God is at work. Every second of every day God is at work. You know, there's a book uh, by a, a man who is a, a great pastor in Foursquare, uh, such a gentleman, probably the most, one of the most humble guys I ever met. Uh, he was an interim president at Life. Well, it was called Life Bible College then, uh, the, the, the ministry school I went to. Um, and his name was Ron Mel. And he pastored in Beaverton, Oregon, which is just outside Portland. Uh, and he had a church of, I think it was close to eight or 9,000 people. And so he was just, you know, he pastored this huge group of people. And he was, I've never met a guy that was more humble. I mean, it was just like he, you could tell he knew it wasn't him. I mean, sometimes we get, we all get confused. Do you get confused sometimes? I get confused. You know, I think it's me. Uh, and God has to come in and then bring something in and remind you, nope, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's really not you. Uh, I've put things in you. I'm going to use, I'm going to fill you with things, but it, it's not from you. Uh, you. You're not the source. And so this guy knew it, and he wrote a book called God Works the Night Shift. And it was just this, this book, uh, you know, that just talked about even while you sleep, God's at work. He's doing stuff. Can you imagine? I, I mean, imagine how many things we could get done if while we were asleep we could do things. I mean, we're at, we're at, we have a busy weekend this, this weekend. Both Ashley and I have had a very busy weekend trying to do all, juggle all these different things. And we're almost through it. We've got a birthday party tonight. Boom. And we will have survived this weekend and barely. Um, and maybe we'll get our car picked up at Albertsons later. I don't know. Um, <laughs> maybe tomorrow. Um, so, but imagine if I could, if while I'm sleeping, I could take care of some things. You know, it it make life a whole lot easier, don't you think, man? It's like just a couple of things while I'm asleep, I'm just gonna they're just gonna take, be taken care of. But here's the deal: God doesn't sleep, so while you're sleeping, He's taking care of things. He's at work. He's doing things. He is he is he is opening doors. He's closing doors. He's he's showing. He can even show you things while you're asleep. He's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna speak to you in your dreams. Did you know that sometimes God will give you a dream and and talk to you in your dreams? That means we should pay attention to our dreams sometimes. Is that just like a weird thought I had? Or did I watch a strange movie? Or is God trying to get my attention for something? And so it's a good question to ask. It's not always God, but it's a good question to ask. Is he speaking to me while I sleep? Because God is working the night shift. He's working the day shift. He's working the afternoon shift. He's at work all the time. Jesus said this, my father is always at work. In the book of John. So in other words, God's always doing something. You say, oh, man, I just don't see things right now. I just, hey, guess what? He's at work. It doesn't matter if you see it. It doesn't matter if you realize it. It doesn't matter if you know it. It doesn't matter if you're engaged with it. Just like John was saying, it's like his promises are true. He is carrying out his purpose in the earth. He is doing things all around, and he is just making an invitation. Hey, join in with me. This is how the kingdom works. Just get it planted and it grows. So if you're open to a plant, getting planted in, then God says, I'm going to plant something in you. I'm going to, I'm going to grow something in you. You're not going to know how it's working. You're going to go to sleep. You're going to wake up. You're going to be living life. You're going to be sitting, like John said, in front of the computer or doing spreadsheets or out in the field testing 
whatever you test out in the field, working in the oil field, because I have zero clue, um, you know, all those things that happen, whatever you're doing, he's, he's at work. He's growing something in you. He's doing something in you. He's releasing something through you. And so God says, Isaiah 61, you know, I'm going to cause this to happen. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. Just like, it's going to be just like this. Just like when a seed's planted, it's just going to grow. It's going to begin to sprout up. You don't see the plant right before it's going to break through the ground. We don't see all the action that's going underneath the surface. The seed, there's all kinds of stuff going on because it it does, I do know this, most plants shoot out the roots first. So you don't see any visible evidence that anything is happening in a seed for quite a long time. It's only when the foundation has been laid, when there's been a system, when there's been growth that's already happening, that, that then suddenly there's a sprout that comes up. And it's sometimes the same way in our lives. We're like, God, what's going on? What's going on? He's like, look, it's under the surface. I'm at work. I'm growing things right now. You just need to trust me, and I'm going to make it spring up at the right time. I'm going to make the plant grow. I'm going to make the thing grow. And then what happens is, hey, when it comes time, there's going to be a harvest. There's going to be a time where there's going to be where you're going to go, yes, now I, now I understand. Now, now I'm seeing something. You know, the harvest time is exciting, but there's a whole lot going on before harvest. There's a whole lot of stuff that goes under the surface. There's a whole lot of things that are going on that God just set in motion. And it's the same in the kingdom, the natural kingdom and the the spiritual kingdom. So the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. So that's the last part of that verse. And it's interesting, as I was looking at that, you know, righteousness and praise uh, springing up before all nations. Uh, Number one, this shows us that this is about the new covenant. Because why is that? It's before, because it's before all nations. Whenever you see something going to the nations in the Old Testament, that's New Testament. That's the word, same as word covenant. That's New Testament language. Because, you know, in the Old Testament, most of it's focused on one nation. But the point was not to stay with one nation. The point was to get God's blessing and love and salvation to every nation. And so how did he do that? Of course, he brought Jesus through the Jewish nation, born in the line of David, uh, through his mother Mary, born supernaturally uh, through his father in heaven and as, as the father of him. And he came into the world and he accomplished what he was sent for. He did what he was called to do. And he ultimately completed his task by dying on the cross and then raising three days later. And then he said, boom, now we're going to send the kingdom everywhere. Now this is going viral. Now this is, this is going to spread everywhere before all nations. So right here we know this is about the new covenant. This is not just for the Jewish nation. This is not just for the people of Israel. This is before all nations. And the other thing I notice is this, and we'll come back to nations right at the end here. Uh, it says this, uh, righteousness and praise. And I looked and I, I was searching righteousness and praise all over the Bible. You know, I'm like reading all the scriptures and it's really not that hard anymore. You know, it used to be really hard. You used to have to get out of concordance, like a big giant book and search all the different references or find something. Now, you know what you do? You just go, 
Bible Gateway, baby. And you just type in righteousness, and you can read every single scripture on righteousness. It's in the Bible. Boy, it really saves some study time, that's for sure. But, you know, I'm reading through all the scriptures on righteousness. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to find righteousness and praise together. Because I pulled up righteousness, and I realized that's a lot of scriptures, son. (laughs) You can read all week on that. Or if you just pull up praise by itself, uh, praise. Hundreds, 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 hundreds. Righteousness, hundreds, hundreds, hundreds. But you put righteousness and praise together, and there's like five. You're like, oh, hello. There's one in the New Testament, it's in Philippians 1, where it talks about, uh, you know, you're made righteous and, and you'll, you'll be pr- for the praise of his glory. Um, but the one that caught my attention was interesting because it was right there in Isaiah 61 earlier. And it was like, oh, there's the one. Uh, there's one in Kings, which is just kind of a vague reference to a king and his the righteousness of the kingdom and all this stuff. And I was like, that, that didn't, that didn't see, seem to mean anything at the time. But it, it's in verse 3. Uh, it's in verse 3. If you look there again, it says, And provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise. There it is. Instead of a spirit of despair. And then guess what? They will be called what? Oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And then I understood what this scripture means. What I believe it means. Righteousness and praise springing up is people. It's people, the people of God, clothed with praise. Who are the oaks of righteousness springing up and declaring the goodness of God and showing and revealing who he is to the entire earth. And God says, guess what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You know, sometimes we need we need the same word that that Elijah got. You remember Elijah in the Old Testament? If you don't, you can read about him in the book of first kings and second kings i believe one of the uh, first kings excuse me second kings is elisha not to be clu- confused with elijah um, so elijah you know he had a great victory for god on the mountain and then it says he got scared and ran and he hid and he said this he said god there's no one else left i'm the only one who's really following you I mean, have you ever felt like you're the only one that's really... I'm the only one that's really clued in here, God. I'm all by myself. And God shows up on that pity party, says... You know, God, does, God loves parties. He likes fiestas. So if you're having a pity party, he might show up. You might not have invited him, okay? You probably didn't send him an invitation, right? But he's still going to say, you know what? Guess what? I'm crashing this party. I'm going to show up at your pity party, and I'm going to I'm going to be at work. And so he shows up at Elijah's pity party, and and he says, "What's going on, Elijah?" Based, I'm translating. This is John's version. What's up, Elijah? Why are you looking like that, bro? <laughs> and Elijah said. Hey, have you noticed anything, God? I'm, I'm doing pretty. I'm serving you here, and I'm doing all this stuff, and there is no one else. Everybody else is hating you. They're all worshiping idols. They're doing all this stuff. Can you not? What is going on, God? I'm, I'm all by myself. And what does God say to Elijah's pity party? Uh, hey, let me let you know. 
I just want you to know, Elijah, that you don't know everything. It's always a good reminder when God shows up and says, hey, guess what? You don't know everything. I need that. I need that often, okay? I'm just, you're just close, okay? You know most things. You know more than me. Um, so, you know, he says to Elijah, you don't know everything. In fact, guess what? I've got, I've got 7,000 that I've reserved. And they have never once bowed their knee, knee to the idol Baal. You haven't seen them. You don't know what they're up to. You don't, you, you don't even know they exist. But I've got them there, and I've got them in the exact place I want. It's like that all the time. God has people all over the place in the exact right place. We may not even know that they're there. You may be at your workplace, and you're like, God, oh, can we... Could I have another Christian that works here? What's wrong with these people? Are and you know he might have to show you. Hey, guess what? You know, and you may not even see the evidence of it, but there could be something that pops up. God's at work. He's at work. The kingdom is going on. There's there's stuff going on all the time because our Father is always at work. So don't be discouraged in your family. Don't be discouraged in your workplace. Don't be discouraged in whatever relationship you're with, that God is still at work. He's not given up. And He wants to cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all nations. And that's you and me. Because we're, we're clothed with the clothing here. There's all kinds of clothing in Isaiah 61. Don't tell me God doesn't like clothes, okay? God likes good clothes. He's got the garment of praise. He's got the robe of righteousness. Uh, he's got the... What was it, the last one? The garment of salvation as well. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that God has. He loves clothes. He likes nice-looking clothes. He likes us to have things on us that are going to make a difference, that are going to make a statement, that are going to influence those around us. And He is going to make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. And so here's the deal. We're going to, we're going to do something different to close here. And this just came to me during worship. And... Uh, it's this, going back to the nations. If you've been a believer in Jesus for any amount of time, God is going to put a nation on your heart. Or nations. And number one, I encourage you, if it might be our own nation. I mean, and certainly God wants to put our nation on our heart. Uh, but I found a lot of times He puts your own nation and somewhere else on your heart. It may be that you're just called to pray for that nation. It may just be, maybe there's like a long, man, I've always just wanted to go to this place. You know, that might be God actually saying, there's something there. Start praying for that nation. If, even if there's like a place you're like, I've always wanted to go there. You know, it's, and you're, you think it's like, you think it's just because it's a vacation. And God says, guess what? I can use your vacation desires. I can, I can use your longings to go to nice-looking places, whatever. He says, maybe I'm putting that nation on, on your heart so you can pray for that nation. For you can pray for those people because what God wants to happen, of course, is in that nation, righteousness and praise. He wants it to spring up. But under the surface, when we're praying for things, that's when the under the surface is happening. All the stuff is happening under the surface. We don't see the evidence. You know, there's been people praying for some of these closed nations that are closed to the gospel for years and years. And guess what? Some of them, there's things sprouting up. There's boom, 
whoa, you hear a story, you don't hear on CNN or Fox News, but, uh, you know, just you, you hear it, hey, oh, we heard this amazing story. Oh, hey, there's a bunch of Muslims that are giving their hearts to Jesus. Uh, God's at work in, in every nation. And so there might be a reason that God has put a nation on your heart. And so here's the deal. Uh, don't let that go. Maybe you never go there. Maybe that's not what it's about. Maybe you support a missionary there. Maybe there's, uh, you know, you, you look up the information about it and you find, a, you find a church on the Internet that's in that place and you say, I'm just going to pray for that church right there. I found them on the Internet, but I'm going to pray for that church and I'm going to see what, what God does in that nation because God has laid that nation on my heart. And so I encourage you, if you haven't ever even thought of that, some of us... I'm sure I've never even thought of that. But I encourage you to ask God to say, Hey, God, is there a nation that you put on my heart? And sometimes he'll end up sending you there. Sometimes you end up getting sent to nations that you didn't even know you had a heart to. And you just say, I'm supposed to go on that mission trip. And God reveals to you, Oh, this is a nation you've put on my heart. I mean, I love... uh, I'll brag on Guy Burchett a little bit here. Uh, Mr. Guy Burchett, uh, he schedules his vacation and he schedules a lot of his whole year around the Poland trip every year because Poland is on his heart. He's gone how many times have you gone to Poland now, guy? Six. So you've gone five out of the last you've gone six out of the last seven years or something like that or uh first one was two thousand ten. And so, you know, sometimes God may have you do that. He may not. I'm not I'm, we're not trying to define anything. I'm just saying engage with the nation that God has placed on your heart. And if he hasn't placed one on your heart yet, just ask. Just say, God, show me something. Spin a globe. See what happens. Look at some of the names and go, I've never even heard of that. I have no clue what that is. Where is Tanzania? I don't know. I can tell you right now, I have no clue. Geography was in ninth grade. It's like 45 years ago for me. Um, well, not quite. I'm only 42. Most a number of years ago. Um, and so, you know, you may, you may learn something new. Uh, I don't know. Just, but find a way to get connected to the nations. Find a way where your heart is not just stuck in your little circle. Because God never intended for the kingdom of God to stay in a circle where we just go, Oh, this is great. It's a lot of fun to stay in the circle with God. No, he's like, going, guess what? I, my point is to expand the circle. I want the righteousness and praise to spring up in every single nation. Okay, so now we're going to close. Here's how we're going to close. Who, who has a nation that you already have on your heart? Raise your hand. Okay. Okay, so um, you, so you all are going to be our... Um, are key people to divide us up here because everybody's going to participate. Okay, just here's the deal: if you don't have one, you're just gonna you're just gonna pick something. We're gonna divide up by continents. Okay, obviously no one's picking Antarctica, right? But if you are, that's fine. Uh, is there anybody that lives there? Just a few people that, yeah, just scientists and stuff. Help me out, people that are in school. I don't have any clues. Antarctica, it's like it's just on the bottom of the globe to look white and balance the color. Um, <laughs> It is on the bottom, right? <laughs> so, na- nation on your heart is Poland, okay? So here's what we're going to do. 
anybody in your, who has a nation in Europe, or you just say, I'm going to join in Europe today, okay, is going to, where do you want to go? Europe's going to be right here, okay? So if you have a nation, if you don't know where your nation is, ask somebody next to you, well, where's this nation? Uh, and if you really still can't figure it out, just guess, okay? Um, so anybody that has a nation for Europe, come here. Israel. Is that in Europe or Asia? It's in... That's not a continent, though. <laughs> we can divide that up. Let's do Middle East. Okay, let's do Middle East. So... Middle East with John. Yeah, if, if you already know, if you're in Europe, yeah, you can, you can come right now. Okay, does anybody, who else raise their hand? Raise your hand. Patty, what do you got? That's Asia. Patty's going to be Asia up here. Anybody in Asia? You got China, Russia, India, all those other little countries. Uh, Asia over here. Asia. Asia. <laughs> Well, I don't know where it is on the map, but I know it's in Asia. <laughs> okay? All right. Back here, Africa. Anybody have a nation in Africa? Right here, John Harper is going to be the leader of Africa right here. Africa in the back there. Okay, anybody? How about South America? South America. And S- South America, Edie. Okay? Just uh, how about the middle? Right in the middle, back, right in front of the sound booth. A nation in South America. All right, North America. Canada, Mexico, United States of America. Right here, uh, just right in the middle, Dave. North America. How about Australia? Anybody got Australia? Australia, Papua New Guinea, New Zealand. You're going to do Australia? Let's see. In this middle section. Australia in the middle section. New Zealand, uh, Papua New Guinea, uh, any of those islands down there. That's kind of Australia area. What am I missing? Central America. Central America. Dan Poe, just gather right here <laughs> with Dan Poe. Anybody else for Central America? Have I got them all? Yes. So find, if you don't, if you don't, you know, I don't even know what to pick. Just look at the person that you say, I really like that person. Go, go to that one, okay? <laughs> so here's what I want you to do is we're not going to take, this is not like intercession time. This is just prayer time. So pick a couple people and just pray over that region. If you want to mention your nation's name, you know, Everybody, just you can all mention it together. Right now we pray for, and everybody say your nation. And just pick out a couple people to pray uh, in your group. So whoever's there, somebody take charge. Um, and I guess I'm going to decide where I'm going here. So anybody else for, C- for Central America? Australia? Just join with nor- North or South. That's fine. We'll do it that way.